mercy. Amen. We are going to continue our series on guarding your heart. Amen. We really have been enjoying that that God's laid on our heart. Guarding your heart is a very important thing. Just to make mention of again, it's not talking about the physical heart. He's talking about the soul of an individual. Right? When you talk about guarding something, it simply means to stand watch over that which you consider to be precious. Amen? If you're going to guard it, there's a reason that you want it guarded. Right? You don't want anybody to come and take it, to harm it, to do anything to it. Right? So it's one of those things that you and I hold dear. And so when you say, when God says to guard our hearts, He simply means stand watch over it. Don't let anything in that should not be there. And for goodness sakes, don't let anybody take or rob that which has been given to you and I. And I want you to know today, before we ever get into this, that you have been given and I have been given a tremendous gift. And that gift is God's presence, right? God's air, that breath, that life that's in us. And He tells us, don't let anything take that. Don't let anything um, hinder your walk with me. Right? Don't let the things of this world come in and steal what I have given to you. And especially if you have given your heart to Jesus Christ and He is the Savior of your life and He rules and reigns in your heart. We talked about that Wednesday, that this is the tabernacle of God, right? And that we should guard our tabernacle, guard our heart, right? Because if Christ is in here, we don't want anything to get in there, right? And clutter up our tabernacle, amen? You remember correctly, Jesus had to go in and, and clear out the tabernacle at that one particular time, the temple, if you will, in the New Testament, because there was things that was ungodly happening in the temple, right? And that's what Jesus specializes in, cleansing the temple, amen? But he don't need to cleanse it if we don't let nothing in there. Amen? See, we're the ones that hold the key to that door. We let Christ in, and it's up to us if we let anything else in there as well. So we talked about that, guarding our hearts, standing watch over our soul. So we're going to continue that today. If you want to go to John's Gospel with us, chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 1 uh, through 10. I want to read this passage of Scripture to you, though, while you're looking. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 29, the Bible says, but if, if from thence you, you shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Amen. If you seek God from this moment forward, he said you're going to find him. If you seek him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with everything that's within you, if you truly seek God, then you're going to find him. The message today is based on this right here. Guard your heart that you don't miss the opportunities. You and I don't miss the opportunities to both engage and encounter God's presence. Amen? Amen. He said, if you'll seek Him with all of your heart and with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with everything that's within us, right, praise Him. But if we'll seek Him with all of those things, He said, you're surely going to find Him. Amen? But what He's warning us here is you've got to do it with a sincere heart. Amen? You have to be, your soul has to be sincere in your approach to Christ, right? Because He knows the heart. He knows the soul. He knows if we're approaching Him half-heartedly or if we're approaching Him with all of our heart. See, with God, you've got to be sold out. You can't just, you can't be 99.9% .9 sure and in, in your approach because you're going to walk away from there 100% empty just like you were when you walked up. You with me? You've heard people say before, if you are 99.9% .9 saved, you're 100% lost. Amen. Amen? Because a little bit of leaven, as we talked about last Sunday, leaveneth what? The whole lump. Right? Any sin whatsoever in our lives will disqualify us from that rightful place with God. Right? We talked about that, right? The Bible makes mention 
that he's coming back for a bride without what? Spot or blemish. Which is why brides wear white at their wedding because they're supposed to be pure. Amen? During the wedding, the wedding ceremony. And so he's coming back for a church that way without spot or blemish. A church that is 100% sold out to God. Okay? And so like I said, if you're seeking him partially, you're not going to get all of him at all. In fact, you won't get any of him if you're seeking him partially. If you get anything at all, it'll just be a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge. Amen? Head knowledge instead of a heart knowledge. So it's important for us not to miss these opportunities to guard our hearts that we don't miss these opportunities to not only engage Christ, but to encounter him as well. Let's take a look at this story here in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And this is a beautiful story here uh, of both an engagement and an encounter with Christ, both in this story. And it comes at a very unusual place at a wedding, amen? A wedding where you normally wouldn't think that you would encounter Christ and that you would have an opportunity to engage His presence. But I don't understand why, because you know the wedding ceremony is based on our relationship with Christ. Did you know that? You might not have known that, but at the end of this message, you're going to know it. Amen? You're going to know it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm going to learn something. Amen. Amen. Old fat man don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Let's read this in John's Gospel, chapter 2. The Bible says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So it's important to understand that. And this is the next thing that's most important. Both Jesus was called and his disciples also to the marriage. They were invited. Mama was invited. The apostles were invited. The, uh, to this marriage and Jesus was also invited into the marriage and, and the Bible says in, ch- in verse 3 of chapter 2 when they wanted wine the mother of Jesus saith unto him they have no wine and Jesus said unto her woman now first of all how many of y'all would cringe if you called your mom a woman <laughs> Jesus could do that but also in those times it was fitting to say those things I could see me now saying to my mom a woman That would be followed up by, (laughs) what have I to do with thee? What are you telling me for? Mine hour is not yet come. In other words, it wasn't time for Jesus to step out on the scene and for people to understand who he was. It wasn't time yet. His mother saith unto unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. And there, there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three fur skins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. Give it to the governor of the feast. Let him taste it. Bear it to him. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made, wine, he knew not whence it was. This is the wedding director, if you will, of the time. Okay? He knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. And the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Amen? Until now. As I was looking at this passage here, again, I was thinking about just this opportunity that we have to engage Christ and encounter Christ. And my mind began to to just go to certain places here that God took me. And the very first thing that you see when you look at John chapter 2, verse 1 through 10 is that we need to be prepared for His presence. People were going into this and enjoying God's presence with unclean hands, right? So the first thing you see here is, is there was this marriage taking place 
And the Bible says that while they were there, that they had ran out of wine. And, of course, Jesus' mother mentions to him that they're out of wine. So these folks came in, they came running in, and they weren't prepared for what was fixing to take place. I touched on this a little bit Wednesday night about making sure that we're ready for God's presence when it comes. Well, here, the first thing you see is, is they run out of wine. They're not prepared. And when you look at this story, he mentions that there are these six water pots that are out front. And it's because it's, it's according to the Jewish tradition that before you walked into this marriage or this wedding ceremony, you were to clean your hands before you walked in there. Okay, so he said, as it was according to their custom, right, these six water pots were there. But if you've noticed, there was no water in the water pots. Amen? Did you notice that? Jesus told them to go fill those water pots with water. Well, if it was Jewish custom for them to have water in the water pots, why didn't they have them in them? Is that right? They did not have them in there. See, a lot of times people rush into things, right? They dive into wanting certain things and they want God's presence, but they don't go about the way he says. We got to be prepared for God's presence, right? Be ready. Be ready for it. They weren't ready. They had certain things ready in the wedding, the things that they thought were most important, but they were leaving out certain things. See, with God, we touched on this too earlier in the week, that you can't just pick and choose the things you want to do in order to be in God's presence. You have to do it exactly the way he tells you to do it. Is that right? See, the wedding ceremony was simply this. You needed to make sure you were going in there with those clean hands first, and you went about, see, he, he laid out a certain way they had to do the marriage back in that time. And if you will pay attention to how the Jewish marriage was laid out for them to do, the certain things they had to do on that particular day, you can trace that back to exactly to the tabernacle worship, the temple worship, and how they were supposed to sacrifice. All of it adds up. It's all the same. What he was showing them, right, and in, in telling them to keep this Jewish tradition, those same things that they had to do for this marriage day are the exact same things they did on the day that they would go to sacrifice at the tabernacle. God has it laid out, right? And you can't skip certain things. Because if you skip them, here's the deal. You're going to walk into that thing, and you're going to go into that marriage wanting God's blessing and His presence, but if you, don't, if you skip the first step, you're going to get into the marriage without His blessing upon it. Amen? Because we've already broke one of the things He told us to do. So many times people rush in to weddings and relationships and they're in su their zeal is so great to dive into this thing that they're just doing what they think is what, what's important and what's, what's necessary, and they're leaving out some steps. Amen? And when we do that, then we're, we're, we're taking God's blessing away from something He set up that was so sacred. Amen? We've got to guard our heart that we're ready for God's presence. His presence would have been there had they not skipped some steps. Now, Jesus was there, but what would have happened had they done what they were supposed to do? I don't know. Would they have ran out of wine? I don't know. I really don't. But I just wonder what would have happened had they had kept the first steps, Brother Ron, instead of skipping some steps. In our personal relationship with Christ, it's the same way. When you talk about salvation, right, the marriage ceremony is all based on salvation. You've heard me say that before, right? Somebody asked me uh, this past week about the marriage ceremony. Why does the groom stand on the right-hand side? This was at Nate's wedding that we had yesterday. And he said, well, I don't, I've never understood why, the, why the, bride's, I mean, the bride's on the left rather than the groom is on the right as you're walking in. I said, oh, I can help you with that. Amen. <laughs> Old preacher came out. I was like turning Genesis. But I said, let me just give you a quick synopsis, right? And so, again, this is why it's important, why God was taking some time right here 
with them to explain what was happening here and what was taking place if you really slow down and look at it. Being prepared for his presence. Do things exactly the way he says to do it and his blessing will be upon it and we won't be found in what? Won't. Amen. The water pots were empty. Amen. Amen. So they started this marriage off empty without the presence of God. Amen. Amen. So it all looked good, but God's presence wasn't there. Amen. He was absent at that time. Okay, water wasn't there. Again, here's the reason why I think this is so important, that we are guarding our hearts, that we are ready for His presence. Again, in thinking about how He lays out the wedding ceremony with the tabernacle worship, as well as where you and I are today, right, this side of the cross and salvation. I'm going to say this just real quick, and I think it's important for us to understand this, because, again, we need to be sincere in our walk with Jesus. In, 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 our, in our engagement to Christ... Right? It's important for us to know the steps and how it's supposed to take place. So you don't just run up to Jesus and grab him and lay one on his lips and say, I love you, and just walk away. Right? Like everybody wants that, everybody wants that real quick, that real quick, um, I guess Disney, well, I don't know about Disney anymore, but this real quick fairy tale wedding, right, where I just meet my prince on the street and we lock eyes and cherubim start jumping out, and next thing you know, man, we're tying a knot two hours later and we just knew it was the right thing. Right? That's, that's inadvisedly done. Right, there are steps that we need to take and make sure that we know right what's taking place and make sure that God's blessing is on it. So when you think about the marriage relationship with tabernacle worship and as, and as well with our spiritual walk and being ready for His presence, it's real clear to me what God's saying. When you, go get, when you get ready to get married, right, there is a courtship that takes place right, between two people, male and female. Amen. We still believe that to be true. Male and female. And so... Your eyes lock on her eyes, and her eyes lock on your eyes, right? And we say the same thing that Adam said, whoa, man, right? That's why he named her woman. I don't know if he did, and that's what I've always thought. Whoa, man, right? And so they lock eyes, right? And, and so then, you know, there's a courtship that takes place, right? And the same things with you and I, right? When God begins to touch our heart, there's a courtship that takes place, right? Our hearts are being touched by the presence of God, right? He said, I see you, and you see me. And you look good to me, and I look good to you, right? And so your soul in it is beginning this courtship to take place, right? And then, and then there's a time that happens, right, where there's an engagement that happens, right? I choose to accept Christ. You choose to accept Christ. This courtship is happening. Now there's an engagement, right? I really love this Jesus, and I don't want to let him go. So what? We engage in him, and we approach the throne, and we ask him into our lives, just like we asked Right, our wives, and in today's world, the wives even ask the husbands, but you know, however it goes, we ask each other, right, to marry each other, and then there's an engagement that takes place, right? So, you know, there's a wedding ceremony that's going to be set next, right? And there are these invitations that go out to everybody and say, hey, you're invited to the wedding, right? And Jesus does the same thing to us when we engage in Him and we give our hearts to Him, right? There is an invitation coming one day from His Father. Right, where he's going to call us all to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? So that time is set. Now you and I don't know that day and time, but going back to a marriage here, we know the date and the time. So whenever that date and time is, we all show up at that time. Some of us early, some of us late. Amen? Right, but now those that get there early don't get to go in and enjoy the reception. They don't get to go in and eat those meatballs and 
whatever you have at your reception, they don't, somebody don't meet them, right, and say, hey, it, we're glad to have you today. Why don't you just go on in and have a few hors d'oeuvres while we're waiting on the bride and the groom to come and get married? That don't happen, does it? They tell them to have a seat. They comfort them, right? They, they say, if you need anything, let me know, right? They're, they're being comforted. They're in the place where the marriage is going to take place. But they got to wait on everything else to take place and happen too, right? The union hasn't happened yet. We can't celebrate something that hasn't taken place, right? So where this is where the Bible comes in. The first should be last and the last should be first. Amen. We're all going to get in there together, okay? So you see all this scene unfolding. People are coming from all over the place, right, into the marriage. And then you hear some music playing, right? And here comes the preacher out, and he's standing there, right? And he's usually somewhere in the middle. And then the, the, the groom is always to his right-hand side. Right, and we know why that is, right? Now, in this picture, the, 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 the preacher is, is representative of God, right? And the bride, or the groom, rather, is representative of Christ. Jesus is always found in the Bible on what side? Right-hand side, amen? So you see the picture unfolding, right? The minister says to the young man, let's go get your bride, right? And so that's the same thing that God's going to say to his son one day before the rapture happens, go get your bride, Amen. amen? And when that happens, what takes place just before the bride walks down? The music plays. And people do what? Rise. When the trumpet of God is sounded, the dead in Christ shall And we which are alive and remain will? You with me? You with me so far? And then what happens is the bride and the groom come together. And when that happens, he says... You'll never be separated from him ever again. Amen. You hear some words like, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in into the joy of the Lord. There's a thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to happen at the rapture of the church. All God's saints are going to join together at this marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate the union between the bride and the groom. Amen. It's why we have receptions after the wedding. After the wedding, after the union, not before the union, not during the union, after, to celebrate that. Amen? Can you see why the marriage ceremony is so important and why Satan attacks it so much? Because it is an illustration of our relationship with Christ. You see this story here, and God is teaching us very clearly. One of the first things to remember is purify your heart. Amen? Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your, the sins, your bodies, these, these vessels, right? He said there were six vessels, and the number six is representative of who? Man. It's not by choice, chance or circumstance that God had six vessels there, Brother Ron. He didn't have five. He didn't have four. He didn't have three. Six, which represents man. And man is what? Sinful. Amen? So before we approach, right, the glory of God, we've got to do what? Cleanse our hands. Amen? Cleanse our hearts. Get our hearts right. Guard your heart and be prepared for the presence of God to be able to come in. Does that make sense to anybody? Y'all look at me like i got three heads. <laughs> Amen? Amen? You with me? So he goes back and does what? I love this. I hope y'all are really paying attention. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says to them, I have this one thing against you, for you've left your first love. Then he tells them this. Go back and do your first works. What did Jesus say? Go back and do what? Fill the water pots. That should have been the first thing that was done. Go back and do your first works. Amen. Get that right first, and then my presence, I will move. Amen. 
See, golly, y'all listen, I'm, gonna, I'm trying not to run. See, when he, when he said, go back and fill the water pots, right? He said, now you're in a position for me to move, amen? Remember he said to his mother, what's that, what business is that of me? He said that not being disrespectful to his mother, but because he said they haven't done what they're supposed to do. If they would have done what they're supposed to do, mama, I'd already took care of that and they wouldn't have been out of wine, amen? So when Jesus said, go back and do that, right? Go back and do your first works, fill that up with water. Then what did he do? He gave them new wine. New wine in the Bible is representative of what? Salvation, life. Remember, the master there of the wedding said, most people put out, you know, the, the, the good wine first so your tongue gets coated so you don't understand at the end we got cheap on you, right? Because you got all that new wine taste and you're drinking almost pure water, but you can't tell it because you, you, you done been drinking all that other stuff and all you got is grape taste, right? Everything tastes like grape. But in this instance, there wasn't no new wine first. He gave the new wine later, teaching us, salvation comes after we purify our hearts. Amen? Right? See, salvation don't come first, then you purify it. That's where people say that all the time. Well, I'm trying to get my life right. I'm working on it. Right? It doesn't work like that. See what I'm saying? You don't get the new wine, then you work on it. Lord, save me, and then I'll try to get my life straight. Uh-uh. Right? Go back and do your first works. Fill them water pots up like you're supposed to. Cleanse your hands, and then, then approach my presence. Right? Amen? That's good for some young people in here. Before you get married, get your life right with Christ. Be saved before you get married. Right? If you enter into something, if you start well, my daddy said you will finish well. Amen? This is why he said to us, don't be unequally yoked together. Right? Make sure that you're marrying somebody that believes the same as you, that they're saved too. Join together in your union in Christ before you ever join together your union with each other. Because if you've got that straight, God's going to be with you and your marriage is going to be blessed. Amen? Thank God Jesus was invited to the wedding. Because if he had not have been, the curse would have been upon that marriage. Amen? Because they, had, they approached it haphazardly, right, and not being prepared for his presence. Imagine that. They invited Jesus to the wedding, but they weren't prepared for him when he got there. How many of us invite Jesus into our life, but our water pots are empty? We haven't even got water in him to cleanse our hands. Amen? We haven't taken the time to understand. We just think that we're pure and holier than thou, and God, we just need you to come in, and you're just going to take me like I am. But that's not true. Right? We've said that for years in churches. Just come as you are. And that's true. Come as you are. But he don't have to take you that way. Amen? You come to him humbly, prepared, ready, right? With a heart that is, that is humble before him, and then approach him in, in sacrifice to him. Right? Be prepared. We don't just walk up and throw ourselves, well, this is all I got. Amen. Take it or leave it. Right? That's not that's not the way we do it. Right? So it's important for us, right? If we're guarding our hearts, let's guard our hearts. Get ready for his presence. Be ready for this presence of God as he comes. The second thing that you see here is, is don't get ahead of his plans. And this touches on what we were saying earlier, right? They forgot the water pots, they ran on in ahead of time, right? They, they didn't get they got ahead of God's plans for them. If we do these things, the way he says, then there will be no disgrace or shame at the end, right? So if we're going to guard our hearts, be ready for his presence, let's don't get ahead of him, right? So many times we make plans, 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 plans ahead of God, but we leave God out of it. God should be in the very beginning of our plans. Amen? Right? It's God, what do you want me to do? God, show me. Start there, and then as God shows us, then make plans based on what he's shown us. 
See, as I said to you, these people weren't prepared. In fact, they just ran ahead of God. Right? Everybody wanted to hurry up and get to the reception. Now listen. Now this is just a pet peeve of this old fat preacher. Okay? I can't tell you the marriage ceremonies that I have, have, have done recently where when I sit down with people and say, tell me how you want the ceremony to go. Well, we really hadn't thought about it. But if I ask them, how about the reception? I ain't got enough time to listen to everything they got lined up. It's all about the reception. It's all about the celebration. It's all about let's have a good time. In fact, I've heard them say, look, just make it as short as it can be. We want to hurry up and get to the reception. I'm telling you the truth. A lot of the, a lot of the marriage ceremonies today are all about the reception and not about the ceremony. Now, I'm just going to, this is a pet peeve. Listen to me. If you are in here and you are not married and you're thinking about getting married, make sure you reverence God. Amen? The marriage ceremony was not set by George Bush or Obama or Trump either. The marriage ceremony was set in place by God Almighty. It is a, it is a sacred thing. That ceremony is sacred and it is set aside by God. Amen? You and I should take our time in making sure that we are doing that ceremony the way God wants it done. First of all, the way he lined it up, right? And that's why I said to you, making sure our hearts are right with him because he don't want you and I to enter into a marriage relationship with somebody and we're not saved and they're not saved, right? That's dangerous territory. That's why the divorce rate in this country is at 50%. Amen? As well as in the church. Did you know the average marriage in America is only seven years? Seven. And that's why, because it's entered into lightly and unadvisedly. So make sure, right, that you have got everything planned the way it should and do it with God in mind first. Guard our hearts, right? Don't get ahead of God's plans. He has plans for you and I. Plans to prosper us and grow us as individuals. But if you're talking about marriage relationship, that's plan too. God knows who He wants you to marry. Listen, young ladies, listen to me in here. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with people especially young ladies who have been in a relationship and now they're out of a relationship and instead of waiting on God, they're just reaching out and grabbing any old thing that goes by. Amen? Just latching on to anything, trying to grab a hold of something. Listen, ladies, men too, but ladies, listen. You are precious to God. He has somebody awesome for you. Don't sell yourself short for some knucklehead that ain't going to work every day and do what he's supposed to do to provide for you. Amen. God has somebody out there for you that will love you, adore you, provide for you, be there for you. All those things that you're searching for. Wait on him. I don't care if you're 70 when you get married. Wait on God's person. There's no shame in not getting married. The shame is marrying somebody that you know isn't going to work out just so you can say you got married. Amen. Young men, same thing. It goes for you too. But women typically are grabbing a hold. Seems like at least the ones I'm talking to a lot more than the men are. Amen. Men just shacking up. <laughs> That's a whole nother message, right? You find you somebody that loves you more than God. That's not possible, preacher. You're right. But you can find somebody that loves God as much as you love him. Amen? That's what you need to do, right? So guard your heart that you're ready for his presence and guard your heart that you're not running ahead of his plans. Make sure that you do it just like he says so that in the end there's no shame. Amen? That's, again, the worst thing when you look around and you see these divorces that are happening right and left. It's just, the, and again, I'm not 
there's so many people in my family, your family, probably in this church too, have been married and divorced. And look, divorce hurts everybody. And there's a lot of shame in divorce, right? And a lot of it, sometimes we want to blame it on that old, that old knucklehead of a man or that old knucklehead of a woman and all these things. But the reality is, I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you, right? God didn't twist your hand to marry that person, right? He gives us an opportunity. Take your time. Be ready, amen, for his presence. Be ready for, again, a relationship with somebody else. Again, because it's God's ceremony. He laid it out that way. And if we will, there's no shame in it. And I'm using a marriage here because that's what we're talking about here in John chapter 2. But it relates to our own personal lives, amen? Don't just rush into any old thing and grab a hold of any little thing, right, when you're looking for salvation. Make sure that you're grabbing a hold of Jesus' hands, right? That's the, that's the, that's the groom that God has for us. All these false gods, these are not the grooms that God has for us. All this stuff that we're reaching out, grabbing a hold of in the name of money or in the name of sex or in the name of drugs or in the name of alcohol, in the name of power, in the name of whatever it is we're reaching and grabbing a hold of, that is not your groom. Amen? That is a false groom. We're just grabbing a hold of any little thing because why? We're lonely. We're depressed. We need somebody, right? All these things. Same thing we reach out and grab people and grab the wrong person because we just need something in our lives. God has somebody. It's Jesus. Amen? So to guard our hearts simply means guard it that we're not just reaching out to anything. Make sure that we grab a hold of the one that God has prepared for us to marry, and that's His Son. Amen? It's the only one the church should be married to. All these other things, we need to get them out of our lives. Amen? Get them gone, right? You don't talk about divorce, let's divorce those things and let's accept Christ into our hearts. Amen? So, be prepared for His presence. Don't get ahead of His plans. And guys, do exactly what He tells you to do. Amen? Do exactly what He tells you to do. You got a Bible? Anybody got a Bible in here? I know that's one of them things that's old too. Amen? Raise them high and proud if you got one. If you got a cell phone that's got a Bible, put that up. Everybody ought to have a Bible. Everybody's got a cell phone. Amen? All right? So do exactly what He tells you to do. Amen? If you and I want, again, if we're guarding our hearts properly, don't let nothing else in there, right? All this false stuff that you're hearing, right? These professors that think they know God's word better than God, don't listen to them people, right? Preachers and teachers that think they know God's word better than, than God does, get away from them. Those are called false teachers that the Bible mentions that, he, that would be raised up during this time, the end time. People, friends, whoever it might be telling you that, oh, that's just not so, it's not right, get away from that stuff. Right? The Bible says to, for us to guard our hearts. For what reason? To make sure right, that, that, that we're, we're listening to Him, following what He says, and not what everybody else says. In today's society, it's sad to say, more people are following what psychologists and doctors tell them than what Jesus tells them. Amen? We're following what marriage counselors tell us rather than what the Bible tells us. Amen? Listen to me. Fornication is still fornication. It don't matter how you want to dress it up. It don't matter what you want to say. You've heard me say before, you can put lipstick on a pig and make it think it's something. It's still a pig. Amen? At the end of the day, it's still a pig. Still going to oink, still going to stink. Tastes good when you kill him. Right? <laughs> get sin out of your life and get out of your life and what? It's good. Right? So fornication is still fornication. Sex without marriage, right? It's still there. It tells us that in Mark's Gospel chapter 10. Adultery is still adultery, amen, in the world we live today. It doesn't matter what some psychologist tells you, what some doctor tells you, what some governor tells you, or some senator or anybody else. This is what it says. 
if you are married in this building today and you are with somebody else, amen, that's adultery. Whether you just separated or whether you're, whatever you're doing, if you're, if you're still married, it's adultery. Amen? Stealing. Still stealing. Well, preacher, I just, you know, I'm starving and, uh, you know, so stealing those Pop-Tarts really wasn't stealing. Uh, you know, I, I needed to live. So God's going to forgive me for that. <laughs> he will, but he said don't do it again. And you got to make restitution where possible. See, we always leave that out. The Bible still teaches restitution where possible. If I stole that Pop-Tart and I got caught in it, Lord, forgive me, that's wonderful. But if you're still living, Mr. Store Owner, I'm supposed to go over there to you and say, Ron, I don't know if you knew it or not. I'm assuming you didn't because you didn't call the police. I stole them Pop-Tarts because I was hungry and I asked you to forgive me. That's what I'm supposed to do. This says so. It don't matter what anybody else says. Amen? You with me? Do it the way he tells you to do. This is why Jesus' mother said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Amen? Because Jesus is not going to tell us to do something that is not good and righteous and wholesome. If God tells you something, it's not to hurt you. Yes, preacher, but Tim McGraw had it right. I had a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt. And she was wearing a mini skirt that was killing me. And that ain't in the Bible. That's on a country music song. But look, she may be killing you, but wait on God. And if it's meant to be, it'll be right and good when it does happen. And it'll be in his plan, not outside of his plan. Amen. Wait on God. I tried preacher, but I just couldn't do it. This is why the Bible says it is better to marry than to burn. Burn in your lust for something that you know the Bible says you shouldn't do. Amen? So not just marriage, but marry yourself to God, rather. Right? Marry to Him, and then all this other stuff, right? The lust of the flesh, He'll take care of that, and He'll give you what you need. That's why He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Amen? So not only will you get the lady with the skirt on, He'll clean up the barbecue stain. Amen. See, this is what God does. He purifies. He only not only gives you the desires of your heart, as a psalmist tells us, amen, but he will cleanse your soul and make it white again. He removes stain. Amen. Thank you, Tim McGraw. What do you mean in the message? Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. So do exactly what he tells you to do. Amen. If guard your heart. That you not listen to everybody else, but you listen exactly what God tells you to do. And lastly here, never miss an opportunity to seek Jesus on somebody else's behalf. Amen. Always be willing to stand in the gap. Guard your heart that you are ready, that you are focused and you're watching, right? Every day we should be watching, guarding our hearts, right? That, we don't, that it's not that our lives aren't consumed with everything about us that we can't see that somebody else is in need. Jesus' mother here recognized they were in trouble. She recognized that they were about to be embarrassed and shamed. And if you were shamed during this time, it stayed with you for quite some time. Amen. Jewish tradition, you didn't break Jewish tradition. Right? It, was, it was almost like you would be an outcast from that time forward. 
And she understood the shame that was about to happen, but she also understood that they were breaking God's law and that his blessing was not going to be upon that marriage. So she did what every good mother and every good saint should do, turn to Jesus. Right? Turn to him immediately and say, Lord, if you don't do something soon, devastation is going to happen. Amen? There is going to be shame that is going to come upon this family, and Lord, I don't want that to happen. So she stood in the gap. What did the Bible say about that, right? Jesus said for us that no greater love is any man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. In John's Gospel, I believe it's chapter 15 in verse 13. He says to do that, right? Stand in the gap. Guard your heart that you're ready and you're seeing, you're, you're sober-minded, you're ready, right, to help somebody in a time of need. Go straight to Jesus. Now, it's important to understand the Bible says that his disciples were there and he was there. She didn't go to his disciples. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to your brother and sister in Christ because the Bible teaches us that too, right? There's safety in the multitude of counselors, right, that we should go to our brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, he tells us if you see your brother in a fault, that we should restore him, right? Go get him, right? Pick him up, lift him up. But the first thing we should do is go to Jesus, amen, in prayer about the situation. Go to Jesus first. Ask God to help, and then we engage, amen? She didn't go to the disciples first and say, hey, Look, they ain't got no wine. I need you to go talk to Jesus for me, right? And uh, he'll surely listen to you. He won't listen to me, right? And sometimes, if we're honest, that's the way some of us feel in here. Some of us feel less of, of Christians than others, right? Because we may not raise our hands as much. Maybe we don't hold a position in the church. Maybe we're not up on the stage. Maybe we're not the preacher or the, or, or the youth pastor. Maybe we're not something whatever. We feel less than anybody else. Listen. If you're in this building today and you're saved, you're, as, you're the same as anybody else. Amen? You've been given the same qualifications that I've been given or anybody else has been given. You have access to the same authority that I have access to. Right? You have access to the throne of God just like I do. Right? You don't need to go to somebody else and say, hey, I need you to pray about that because he'll listen to you. You pray about it. Amen? Seek God. You go straight to God about that need and ask him to help them and you might just be the one he uses. Amen? And he might use somebody else. He may not use anybody. But he wants somebody to recognize there's a need. Amen? There's a need. And listen, last thing I want to tell you, it's not in the notes either. If you're the one that's in need and somebody comes to help you, be humble. Amen? Be humble. Don't just say, how dare you come talk to me about those things. Right? How dare you this or that or the other. Listen, if God's touched somebody's heart, you need to pay attention. Amen? You need to listen. Now, I'm going to say that, and I'm going to say this next. Y'all better not go to somebody if God's not in it. If you're within yourself and you're just going to try to, whatever you're trying to do, it's going to be bad for you. But if there's a need, you go to God. And if he tells you to go to them, you go to them. Or if he tells somebody else, they go. But if you're the recipient, I have seen people before where there was a need, let's say, for groceries, and they didn't, you know, they were just too prideful to ask, and somebody recognized it, stood in the gap for them, approached the church, the church sent groceries to them, and they were just hateful about it because you're trying to give them something that's going to help them. Really, they wanted it, but they're just prideful, right? When God says, when God sees a need, he's going to fill it on behalf of his children. If you're the recipient of that need, receive it with gladness, whether it's in goods or whether it's in advice or whether it's a statement, amen? Be good to that. I've told you all before, and I'll use this since Nate's here today, um, but I said this just a few weeks ago before I read Psalm 119 and 10. Brother Danny, if you want to put them on the board. 
I told y'all, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes when, when, when somebody comes to you and you know that God touched their heart to tell you because we're prideful sometimes and, and we don't want to be told we were wrong. And sometimes we're not willing to go back and do what we know is right because our sin has been exposed. Nate, when my mother passed away, I told, I told you guys, you know, my sister was, uh, well, some of you all told, my sister was the power of attorney for my mother. And so because she lived in North Carolina where we were from with my mom, so it made sense for her to be there to take care of her needs. My mother had cancer, and, and uh, so she passed away, and me and Christy and Nate and Noel went down and met with my sister. And, and I, my first, one of my first questions to my sister was after we talked about mom and, you know, we, we had our moments, and I said, uh, so I need you to give me her her life insurance policy so we can go ahead and make the arrangements. And that was met by, well, uh, uh, mm, uh, and I thought, oh, Jesus, you know how you think. I said, what's the matter? She said, well, I kind of let it lapse. I said, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, mercy. You know, so you know what a funeral costs, right? Somewhere anywhere from 